I feel the Lord on me today. I'm in the book of Galatians chapter 3. Third chapter of Galatians, and I'm in a series studying the blessing of the Lord. And this is something stirring in my spirit. Um, God will take care of his people in the face of famine and difficulty and come what may. And I just sense the blessing of the Lord in my life. I can sense it in this church. I really just feel this stirring about it. I want to read the verses that I've been camping out on last week and this week. Galatians 3, I'm in verse 13. I want to read verse 13 and 14. Here's what the Bible says, that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith in him. Amen, amen. Let's pray. Father, this morning we thank you for the blessing of God that we don't have to apologize for. We, we just can receive it by faith in Jesus. And I pray, Lord, for our spirits to be stirred as we receive the word of the Lord today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Man, I was um, out for a country job the other week. I went to this little place called Elder Grove. Have you ever been to Elder Grove uh, lately? <laughs> I mean, that place has just become a monstrosity of buildings. Now, when I went to Elder Grove, it was some small country school. Anyone remember those days? Yeah. And I have some great memories at Elder Grove. I remember, you know, in the sixth grade, we were playing basketball, which is what I love to do. Intramural basketball. And I had this teacher, Miss Miller. She kept me out of the game in the third quarter. We got down by like 10 or 12 points. That's a lot for a fifth grade team. And I, I was mad about it. I was upset. But when the fourth quarter came, I'm, this is no lie, I stole the ball six times in a row, tied the game up, and in the last few seconds, I grabbed a rebound. I dribbled down the court. And as time was running out, I somehow threw the ball up. I couldn't even really see the hoop. And when I finally you know, landed and looked up, it was bouncing on the rim and went in just as time expired. Yeah, yeah. Which was, it was pretty amazing because my grandfather had died. That week we were going to California and I just felt the Lord was with me. He helped me do things that I could not do, man. Playing basketball, I had so much fun. But I've always just sensed the blessing of God in my life. It's something I'm aware of. It's something that it's really just, you know, like, like, man, I'm telling you, his blessing is a very real, wonderful thing. And these verses are interesting. There's two parts to the verse here. Galatians chapter 3, it says in the first part of that, that he has redeemed us from the curse of the law, that you and I have been redeemed. And in verse 14, it tells us that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us. So he's telling us here, we have been redeemed from the curse of the law, and the Bible says that we have been blessed by God. Redeemed from the curse and blessed by the Lord. These are two very important theological realities with tremendous implications in your life. You have been redeemed, which means bought back, like, like highly favored. And the Bible says that we have been blessed, which means highly favored. And God's goodness, His blessing, His abundance of grace is on your life in a tremendous way. That's what the scriptures are telling us. Now, I have to tell you, in my experience dealing with people in churches for you know, years now, I don't think many people really have a good grasp of what redemption really is all about. I don't think people are really grounded in 
the, the reality that took place that on the cross, you know, we experienced God's redemption. And he, in, in that moment, it was like all the sin of the world came upon Jesus. My sin came upon him. And in that place, I received his forgiveness. All the guilt and all the shame went to him. And in that place, it's like God's goodness, his favor, his love, his acceptance, you know, into his family was there. And and when sickness went upon him, I received health in my life. And when poverty came upon him, remember he died naked on the tree. He, he died in an isolated condition. The Bible says that in that place, he's made provision for us. And it just feels like a lot of people really aren't grounded in some truths about the cross. And I think a lot of times I experience people who are not as assertive as they should be when it comes to claiming some of the promises that took place at the cross. It's like people aren't, aren't aggressive about it. They get real passive when it comes to the promises of God sometimes. Sometimes people are passive because, you know, they lack the knowledge for it. That's what the book of Hosea said. When you lack knowledge, the people perish. Sometimes people are passive because they're lackadaisical. You know, we got this society today where everything's lax and you kind of expect things to happen. And, and so they don't really claim the promises of God. Sometimes it's because people in the culture are lukewarm and really not on fire for God. They'd rather be at the golf club, and so they just settle through life without really ever enforcing what belongs to them, without claiming and receiving the fact that, hey, God has redeemed me, and he's blessed me. That's what the Bible teaches. Now, I asked the question last week, what does it mean to be redeemed from the curse of the law? We went to Leviticus 26, we kind of read through some of the things and identified things like lack and an overabundance of laboring in your life. God can make things easy for you because of his blessing. Come on, somebody. And this morning, I want to talk to you about the blessing of Abraham. What is the blessing of Abraham? I mean, that is such a curious phrase. To do that, I want you to keep a finger here in Galatians 3. We'll come back to it. But we're going to go back to the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 12. And this is when God began to deal with Abraham. Uh, he's going to talk directly with him and lay out a plan. Because we're talking here about Abraham's blessing. Let's see what happened. Genesis chapter 12, the Lord said to Abram, in verse 1, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And Abraham went out on that journey. You know, I think about my wife whenever I read that verse. She left Canada, came down here, married me when we started church in my grandma's living room. That takes some faith. <laughs> she left to come down here. And every time I read about that, I, I'm reminded of, of what my wife did. It says in verse 2, he, this is what God said to Abraham. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I'll bless those who bless you, and I'll curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And the next verse says that Abraham departed as the Lord had said to him. This is you know, where we get the idea of the blessing of Abraham. The first thing we can say about it is that the blessing of Abraham is a promise that God gave to Abraham. It's a promise that God made to Abraham. Uh, a promise is like a, a declaration of something. It's, it's an assurance that what you have stated, what you, what you have said uh, in a, about a particular thing is going to happen. And in this case, this was a covenant that Abraham actually entered into. It's called the Abrahamic Covenant. And it has, you know, a couple different levels of application. I mean, on one hand, he's talking to Abraham who became the father of the Jewish people. So when he said, 
I'm going to make you a great nation. Remember, Abraham didn't have a child at this point. You know the story of Abraham. He, he was on that journey for a child of promise. Uh, in order for you to have, be a father of a nation, you're going to have to have a child. And so Abraham, you know, he, he's believing God for this child to come. You know the story. He, he had that child. He married uh, Rebecca. And then he and Rebecca gave birth to Jacob. Jacob married Rachel. And then they had 12 children. And those 12 patriarchs became the fathers of the nation of Israel. And, and, and the plan of God was pass. It came to pass. By the way, Israel uh, is a tremendous blessing in the world today. Israel's got a tiny population. And yet, statistically speaking, there's more inventions uh, incredible technologies that have come from the nation of Israel. And it does appear that this verse is literal, that it's come to pass in Israel. I know because I've been there twice. I've seen some of the incredible things that take place. And, and so when, when God said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you and make your name great, he, he's speaking in one level to the Jewish people. He said, I will bless you. I will make your name great. When God said, I'm going to bless you, what he's saying right here is I'm going to provide for you financially. I'm going to increase your influence. And the Bible says that he was going to multiply Abraham. That's what he said to him. Because blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I'll multiply you. It's like, man, the story of Abraham and his life, it just swelled to an abundance. Now, I want to look down at uh, verse number 10. Genesis 12, verse 10. Let's read the verse. It tells us that Abraham went on this journey, and, and there was a famine in the land. So Abraham, he went down to Egypt. Somebody say Egypt. He went down there and said the famine was severe in the land. You know, the famine is what forced Abraham to start this journey where ultimately he went to Egypt. If you look at chapter 13 and verse 1, it says that Abraham later went up from Egypt. We don't know how long he was there. He, he went with him, his wife, and, and all that he had. He took his nephew Lot with him and and it says in verse 2 that Abraham was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. You know, when you read about Egypt in the Bible, it is a metaphor for the world. Remember, God saved his son from Egypt. Israel came out of the bondage of slavery, which represents sin, and crossed through the Red Sea, which is a type of baptism, is what Scripture says. Uh, Egypt is this place of the world. And as I studied this verse, you know, every scholar pointed out the fact that it appears Abraham got his wealth, his livestock, gold and silver, while he was in Egypt and while there was a famine in the land. And that is inexplainable. And the only answer we have for that is because God said, I will bless you. His blessing came in difficult seasons, in difficult times. And, you know, when I think about the world we're looking at today, I do think that we are on the precipice of potentially a famine coming. I'm, I'm not talking about in the natural. I mean, hey, I'm grateful for all the rain in Montana, you know, because we went through last year where you couldn't burn fires at campgrounds. And I want to have some, you know, moisture and, and in Montana, we need it. But when we talk about, you know, famine, you, you could almost like paint the picture of economic recession, uh, difficult things. And, you know, Deutsche Bank, I don't know if you follow some things going on in the world today, they're predicting a recession that could be much worse than people think. Uh, inflation is real, because I know that because I go to Costco and my bacon, which used to cost $13, now costs $20. And, you know, it, they got supply chain shortages. 
And it, it's like, man, now the Federal Reserve is boosting up interest rates. No one quite knows exactly what, what's going to happen, but I'm grateful I live in Montana. Can I get a witness from somebody? <laughs> you, you just have this sense that having lived long enough, you can almost feel like, you know, things could be in trouble. And yet what I've discovered about the Lord and his blessing is he is able to take care of his people in famine. This is what I said last week. I'm telling you, the reason why Abraham succeeded and was blessed in a difficult time is because the Lord did it. And I'm telling you, we are the children of Abraham. We'll see that in a moment. And God knows how to take care of his people in some difficult situations, some difficult circumstances. He will provide for his people. I do remember the 2008 subprime mortgage meltdown. And it was like, it, 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 Billings was virtually unscathed. Do you remember that? Man, I'm grateful to live here. During that time, you know, we had been having church in the cafeteria over those years ago. And uh, we bought a piece of property down the road here. I remember that. And we paid cash for that during the difficult time, 2012. I mean, things were kind of slow. And, and in, in that moment, in that environment, God had blessed us in a place where we could buy property. You know the story. Eventually, we sold the property and paid the building off. And that's because God is a better businessman than I am. I mean, that was an incredible thing. And it was evidence of what can happen in difficult times. I've seen it. I've seen God's hand of favor when it seems like things aren't going well in the world, yet God can take care of his people. You believe that? So the first thing we could say about God's you know, blessing to Abraham is that he made this promise to Abraham, and he blessed him in difficult times. Now, here's the second thing we can say about it. Uh, Abraham really wanted to have this baby. You ever had God give you a promise? And you get impatient on it. That's what Abraham felt. And God took him outside of a tent one night and said, I want you to look at the stars. Tell me if you can count them. Because he said, that's what your descendants are going to be. Immeasurable like that. Now, Genesis chapter 15. I want to highlight verse 6. Look at this verse. It says that Abraham believed in the Lord and it says that God accounted it to him for righteousness. Now, here, here's another thing I can learn about the promise and the blessing to Abraham. It's a promise that can only be obtained through faith. Righteousness on the basis of faith is what makes Christianity exclusive among every other religion in the world. There's no other religion that teaches this approach towards God. That's what God said about himself. In, in Hebrews 11 and verse 6, he said, without faith, it's impossible to please him. If you want to come to God, you have to believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that seek him. And if you study other religions in the world, you're going to find that basically they teach this effort to, towards God. Like, you got to do something, right? you got to be a good person, which is really not what the scriptures teach. The scriptures teach that if you're going to know God, if you're going to walk with God, if you're going to receive his promises, they are obtained by faith. It says in verse 6 here, he believed the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Why am I quoting that verse? Because let's go back to Galatians chapter 3 and you're going to see that Paul used this very verse when he talked about the blessing of Abraham. Back here in Galatians chapter 3, in verse 6, it tells us that Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. He mentioned that verse, Paul did, in Romans chapter 4, verse 3, Galatians 3, and verse 6. And then James wrote about it, James 2 and verse 23. What's so interesting about the Bible is that 
people like the Apostle Paul would take a little verse like that and build big doctrine off of it. I'm talking doctrine today. So he did the same thing in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3. It, scripture says in the Old Testament, the just shall live by faith. Paul wrote that in Romans 1.17, here again in Galatians 3.11, and Hebrews 10.38. I mean, th- this is the basis of the New Testament. And that's why the next verse says, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. See, the, the blessing of Abraham is a promise that has to be obtained by faith. The only way to obtain God's blessing, his promise in your life, is through faith. Faith is a simple thing, man. Faith basically is, I believe it in my heart. And if you really do believe something in your heart, you're going to say it with your mouth. Because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And you get around people, you can kind of just tell what's really in their heart because they're going to tell you. They're going to talk about it. It's going to come out. You can't help it. It's just people do share what's in their heart. That's that's why if they've got, you know, (laughs) sin in their heart or wickedness in their heart, when they slam the finger on a hammer, you know what you're going to (laughs) hear, some things in the heart. Uh, Your heart is an incredible thing. It's it's, it's like soil, and whatever you plant in it is going to grow. Faith in the heart is living. It's active. It's alive. When you read the word faith here in the Greek language, it's the word pistis. It means it's living. It's like a substance to it. Let me tell you what I believe. I believe firmly with all my heart that God is blessing this church. I believe we're going to get to two services. I believe God's going to give us amazing volunteer base. I believe we're going to touch the city of Billings. People are going to get saved, healed, and delivered. I believe that we're going to be filled with children so much one day. We're going to have to run VBS stuff like this and have great things take place, man. That's just what I believe. You know why I believe that? Because I feel God put it in my heart. And every day of my life I think about it. Faith is not just simple. It's side. Let me tell you how God specializes in doing things outside of your own ability. He does things on supernatural levels that exceed your expectations. It's like, man, when you apply faith to something and it starts growing, it will go outside of your own ability. That's what happened to Abraham. Remember, he was 100 years old and Sarah, his wife, was 90 when they gave birth to the child of promise. There was some kind of anointing happening in that situation. I mean... That exceeded everybody's expectation. <clears throat> I, I, uh, I've often shared with you, I don't know why God does this to me, but he will just visit me in dreams. I have dreams about things that I, 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 I don't know. I, I can't explain it. So, you know, w- Elizabeth and I, we bought this house that we have right now. You've heard me talk about the one I'm working on around the clock. We bought it from a, a hoarder. I, and... I mean, I remember it was, you know, so much work. We're getting it ready. We want to, you know, sell it and move on. And, and we went and talked to the uh, financial lady, the, the lending agent, and she was explaining interest rates and where the market is. And it just kind of painted the picture like it doesn't look like we're going to be able to do a whole lot. And that really kind of made my wife sad because she's, you know, wanting to move and get Nancy. And so she didn't tell me this, but she went praying and fasting. And, you know, after she prayed and fasted, I had a dream that night. I had a dream I needed to buy, get some plastic totes because we were getting ready to move. <laughs> I'm just telling you, that is the way that God does things. See, I, when it happens, I'll let you all know. 
I'm just telling that God's blessing is in the situation. And I don't know what all that means. I just know that he, he, he's got me moving in a direction. This is his blessing. It's going to be outside of my own strength, just like the last time we got it. That's how God does things. He, he does it in ways that go beyond your own natural ability. It's, it's a special thing with God. And it's a sacred thing. I mean, think about all the things that you have have been given to you by God. And when you understand that and appreciate that, that's when you become very grateful for everything that you have. I mean, the, the suburban I'm driving, that's, you know, it belongs to him. The children in my house, they belong to him. Everything I have is his. And when you understand that and are grateful for it, it becomes very easy not to hold on to it, but to be able to let it go. Yeah. By the way, faith really is the plan of salvation. I was telling you, this is New Testament doctrine. This is God's plan of salvation. That's why in Galatians 3 and verse 14, he talked about the promise of the Spirit. The blessing of Abraham deals with the promise of God's Holy Spirit in your life. Are you grateful for the Holy Spirit? I mean, you get born again when you accept Him by faith. And then, you know, you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, filled with fire. And I'm sure grateful for His Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God will get in your life. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll put unctions on the inside of you that help you make good. This how I bought the house I was in. He leads you in many different ways. Like I told you, man, he, he'll give me dreams. That's, that's how I bought the house I was in because I didn't want to buy a house from a hoarder, but I had a dream. <laughs> and I felt the Lord say, buy that house. So we did. And man, it has been a blessing. And that came because of the Holy Spirit. This is God's plan and how he works in your life. And, and these are sacred things with God. They're special. And it's simple. You just have to believe it in your heart. Watch what happens. So the blessing of Abraham, God gave it to Abraham. It was a promise. The blessing of Abraham can only be obtained by faith. And it's part of God's plan of salvation. Look at verse 8. The scripture, we just read that in Genesis 12, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham before. Remember Genesis 12? He said, in you shall the nations of the earth be blessed. So that did apply to Israel on one level. But as I read 1 Peter 2 and verse 29, the Bible says that you and I in the church are a holy nation and a royal priesthood. And what God is doing is he's saying this blessing doesn't just apply to my people in Israel. It extends out to the church, to those of us who are in faith in Jesus. And that's why in verse 9, he said, those who are of faith, are blessed with believing Abraham. Here's the third thing we can say about the, the blessing of Abraham. It is a promise that belongs to you and me. God gave it to Abraham. It's received by faith. And if you've got faith in Jesus, that means that this blessing is, is a promise given to you and me. A promise means you can take ownership of it. You can take possession of it. That this same blessing God said to Abraham... It is something that belongs to me in Christ Jesus. And as I read the Bible, it says all the promises of God are yes and amen in him to the glory of God. Now, he uses an interesting phrase right here. Blessed with believing Abraham. And I had to look that up because, you know, I, I kind of like reading the New King James translation because it's got a poetic prose. It's kind of written to roll off your tongue. I like that. There's a lot of great translations out there. And other translations, they, they say things like, we're blessed together with Abraham. Or, or 
what it means is that Abraham is our example. And the book of Romans chapter 4, verse 12 says that we're to walk in the same footsteps of our father Abraham. How many of y'all remember the song, Father Abraham? He had many sons. I'm one of them, and you are one of them, and that's why you can throw your arm and your leg in there, because I'm telling you, God, he's included us in his family, and we're to follow in the footsteps of this man Abraham, following in his footsteps, walking in the same plan of faith like he did. Think about the footsteps of Abraham. Think about the journey he went. I just read. Remember, we go back to Genesis 12, and after God spoke to him, he went on this journey. He was on a journey of faith. You know, I'm telling you, the greatest adventure I have ever had in my life is walking with Jesus. There is no greater adventure than following him, walking with him. Abraham, the Bible says, was on a journey, and he was in search of a city whose builder and maker is God. Man, that, that gets me excited about something. It's an adventure. Faith is an adventure. Let me tell you about another dream I had one time. I, 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 I don't know, just little snippets. I, I just had this dream that I walked into my office, and on my wall, I've got a picture of my family right there. And I put it up. This time, you know, I had been working on it. I hadn't got all the pictures in it. But in the dream I had, that picture just grew as big as the wall. And that's all the dream was. And I just sensed that God was telling me that, man, I'm going to bless your family. I have no idea what that adventure is going to look like. I have no idea the drama I'm about to get into when children turn into teenagers, but I'm told it's quite an adventure. <laughs> just kidding. We're going to raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. There's something about the adventure that God has for you. Moving houses when you're thinking, hey, how could this happen? God will do it. I don't know. I know that it's an adventure. God knows how to take care of these situations. I mean, he, he's, he's got this plan where you walk with him, and it's like, man, he, he'll take you in, into some places that may be challenging, but he's always right there to show up, isn't he? I mean, he's faithful in everything that he does. So Abraham was on this journey. You and I are on a journey of faith. That, that's what makes it an adventure. Uh, when you think about Abraham's journey, I mean, here's Abraham, and the Bible says that he waited 25 years for a child of promise. Hebrews 6, verse 15. The scripture says that it was through faith and patience that Abraham obtained the promise. Now, we are on an adventure, but that adventure requires some patience. And ain't nobody want to talk about patience. People do want to go on adventures, but they don't want to walk with patience with Abraham. Think about the patience it required for him to do that. You know? Here's the thing I've discovered about God's blessing in your life is it's progressive and it works out over time. It's not like something that is usually dropped in your lap. It's a process to it, like Abraham, 25 years of him walking with God before his promise came to pass. When Israel went into the promised land, remember they went in little by little. That was God's plan. He said, I don't want the beasts of the field to overwhelm you. It was something that they had to grow into. You know what the book of Proverbs 13 and verse 11 says? It says that you need to gather by labor or gather by increase. One translation says you gather increase and finances little by little. Apparently, the Bible doesn't teach get-rich-quick scheme. How did you know that? Because I've had jokers show up at church telling me all kinds of amazing stories about how they're going to get rich with you know, other currencies and different ideas, and none of that ever happens. 
what does happen is when you're faithful in few things, it's like God will bless it. There's a, like that little by little, and that's what Abraham's demonstrating for us when you walk with God and, and you're faithful. And then one day, there comes a moment when it gets paid off on something, when, when, when the child of promise shows up, when God's blessing. And, and all the while he's doing it, it's just that it's growing. I believe that you should increase in your life year to year. I mean, when you walk with God, you can just kind of experience how God's goodness is going to be great last year. It's going to be even better this year, man. I see it all the time. Every year, there's a whole nother level when you walk with God. That's his goodness working in your life. Man, there's something wonderful about that. The blessing of Abraham, by faith and patience, you can receive promises. That's, that's Abraham's example. That's his footsteps. It's an adventure, it's, it, it, but it is patience. Yeah, and then you know what happened to Abraham. Man, 25 years, he got the child of promise. Woo, he felt great about that. And then in Genesis 22, God said, I want you to come on a little walk with me up to a little old mountain called Mount Moriah where I want you to sacrifice your son. Now, that's some crazy talk, man. I mean, you get the promise. And then God says, I want you to give up the promise. I mean, we're talking about like, you know, the footsteps of Abraham. He's willing to offer the promise, the, the, the child, the, the thing that was so dear to him. I mean, man, that is, that's a whole nother level of faith. And here's what this has always spoke to me about. It's about the fact that when God gives you a promise, you have to hold on to God tighter than you hold on to the promises that God gave you. And listen, that, that's some, that, that, that is some stuff I have personally walked through that is, it's like, ooh, man, because I'll tell you what happened. When, when we had that property down the street, and we waited, we prayed, we felt the Lord said, sell it. So I sold the property. We got the building played off. You would think that I would be floating around in cloud number nine, excited. I found myself walking around Walmart crying. It's okay if you cry at Walmart, because it's Walmart. And you look crazy like anybody else over there, right? It's a Walmartian's. And I just remember as I'm walking over in the you know, children's formula section, and, and I had this sensation that I, I've been holding on to a promise, but not really holding on to God as tight as the promise was. Mm. And that is some things that will work in your heart. The, the lesson here with Abraham, you've got to hold on to the Lord. See, when he said we're blessed with believing Abraham, again, we're talking about a Greek word here. The Greek word is pistis. That, that's the word for faith. And it means active, alive, living on the inside of you. And what I'm just trying to tell you is you're supposed to have an active, ongoing, thriving, consistent, daily, personal relationship with God. That's Abraham's example. He, he's got great things for you, but he wants you to hold on to him. That's the blessing of Abraham. Because I said last week, if you've got him in your life, you got everything you need. All the provision, all the promises, whatever you need, it's all in Jesus. That's what Colossians says, man. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I'm just so grateful for his blessing. I have felt his blessing in my life since I made that basketball shot in the sixth grade, man. <laughs> his blessing. Man, someone say it. Say, the blessing belongs to me. Yeah, man, God's blessing belongs to you in your life. Now, God did make a promise to Abraham. Perhaps God has made some promises to you. Maybe he's put some personal things in your heart. Maybe they deal with a child of promise. I mean, he promised Abraham a child. 
I know people who, man, they want a child. They want a baby. Man, I, I want to challenge you, man. Believe the promises of God. Maybe it's a family, a marriage. Maybe it's a business. I mean, there might be certain promises. You feel like the Lord has stirred up in you. Might have to do with your future. And if he's made a promise to you, I can almost guarantee you, nine times out of ten, when God makes promises, maybe nine and a half times out of ten, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some faith and some patience. And I, I don't, you know, you know, I just feel, I feel people's emotions being steeled right now and your faith being stirred up. I'm going to run after this thing. I'm going to go after it. I'm going to walk with God. I'm, I'm going to follow through with things. I'm going to stick to it. 25 years, Abraham waited for the child of promise. But you know what it says about Abraham waiting for that child? It says that his faith grew. The closer he got to the promise, it's like the more real that promise became. He was strengthened in faith. And man, that's a lot of times how I feel. I feel like the closer I get to what God put in my heart, it's like, man, I get more and more. The longer I go, the closer I get. That's how I feel. I feel like I'm on the brink of breakthroughs every day of my life. Great things come. Man, if God has put a promise in your heart, stick with it. Hold on to the promises of God. How many of y'all want the blessing of the Lord to manifest in your life? God's blessing, man. His, his promise of provision, his promise to be with you in thick and thin. I like what the Bible says. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Which means come recessions, good days, bad days. It rains in the just and the unjust, difficult times and famines and drought. And I'm telling you, he's able to be there right there with you and bless you beyond what you can imagine. He'll bless you when other people aren't getting blessed because that's who he is. He promises to take care of his people. And I just felt led to pray the blessing of God in your life this morning. And I had a great time last week. I laid hands on business owners. And I'm telling you, I just feel God's hand of favor and protection over his people. Who wants the blessing of the Lord in a greater way? Put your hand up. Father, I just pray the blessing of Abraham over this people. I pray, Lord, we see it in our, in our hearts and minds. I pray it become a revelation so that we are secure and established in it, that we grow in it, that we don't hesitate or back down, and we understand what belongs to us in the plan of redemption. And I just declare, Lord, that people are going to step into more of God's blessing, not just in provision, but in terms of direction for their life, where God wants to take them, just like Abraham, that you'll know what to do in drought. You'll know what to do in difficult times. You'll know what to do when it seems that other people are, are, are lost. You'll know what to do. And I just I bless these people in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Head to toe, above only and not beneath. We are blessed with believing Abraham. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Man, I, I'm grateful for God and that fact that he keeps his promises. I was reading about a man, James Livingston, in 1942. He uh, told mom and dad, hey, I want to enlist and fight in the Second World War. And he, he hadn't graduated yet. So his mom said, I'll sign off for you, but you got to make me a promise that you're going to graduate from high school. And he said, you know, I, I will, I'll graduate. But you know what happens when you join the military and you get out sometime. I mean, he, he was thinking about all these years. I, I got to keep that promise I made to my mom. And so when he was 86 years old in the year 2010, uh, this man, James Livingston, he graduated from Scriven County High School <laughs> with a degree, with a diploma. He got his diploma, kept his promises. James kept the promise he gave his mom. And you know who is a more faithful covenant-keeping person than James is God. 
man, he, he keeps his promises. The new covenant, this new testament we're reading right here, this is a promise that God made with Jesus. Jesus is the offspring of Abraham who trusted in his father even to the point of death and Jesus has become the ultimate blessing to the nations. And I guess the thing we have to ask this morning is if you're in covenant with God because of the blood of Jesus, can you say that you have been redeemed? Can you say, I know whose I am and whom I serve? And there's something about being in a covenant relationship with God where these promises and his hand upon life becomes real and active and alive, but you've got to claim it by faith. I just want to take the moment, if you have not trusted in Jesus to cover your sin and bring you into the family of God, I want to give you that opportunity. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And if you say, that's me this morning, I I want to trust in Jesus. I want you to put a hand up and I want to pray with you. You can meet the friend who sticks closer than a brother, a God who watches out over you. He's willing to be with you in all, all that you've been through. Amen. Let's all pray. Say, Father, thank you for your blood that covers me, that redeems me. And I want to know you as a father. And I want to be your son. And I receive your sacrifice on the cross. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer and you believe it with your heart, that's called faith. And the Bible says you can be a new creation in Christ Jesus. And if you did pray that prayer, I would love to meet you afterwards, man. I'd love to meet you. Will you stand up with us this morning? I I tell you what, I am glad you came out to church this morning. Um, I do got to make one quick announcement. Uh, America, I think, is one of the most blessed nations. I have traveled to different nations of the world And when I got back to America, it's like, man, I want to kiss the ground. So I've been asked to uh, pray at the courthouse lawn on Thursday. We're having a National Day of Prayer meeting. I know uh, other people praying on top of the rims. Actually, if you wanted to join a prayer meeting, Mandy was working on something like that. Uh, But we are praying for our nation, praying for our city. So if you're in the area, man, love to have you come pray. we got to pray for our nation. Can we just close out the service by praying for America? Can we do that? This is the week. America needs your prayers in this moment. So let's just take a moment and just thank God for his blessing, Lord, over our land. Father, in this next week, as we pray, as we seek your face, I'm praying for people to get stirred up. I pray for elected officials and elected leaders across our land. We lift up the president of the United States. We lift up Congress. We lift up a Supreme Court. And God, we're asking for righteousness in our land. Lord, that you will not turn an eye on wickedness, but we pray righteousness dwell in our land. We thank you for the blessing of being an American. You've given it to us as steward. We pray over it, God. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. I know I did a lot of praying this morning, but if you want prayer, the altars are open, and I would love to pray with you. If you feel like you got lack in your life and haven't experienced God's blessing, we will pray with you, amen. I want to invite my altar team forward if you want to pray. We love you very much. We'll catch you all next week. Bless you, bless you, bless you.